Welcome back to another episode of Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas NM, and your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United, as well as the occasional weekly sports discussion from the biggest news uh, news stories from around the world of sports. We haven't really done too much of that lately, but we do have a massive story that dropped over the weekend, and or actually probably the last forty-eight hours, I believe it is. And and so we, we're going to get to that. It's going to we're going to talk some MLS. We're going to talk how it affects the USL Championship, as well as the rest of the U.S. Soccer Pyramid. And uh, before we get too far into this into tonight's show, uh, I want to thank each and every one of you for coming into YouTube, hanging out with us as we record. As always, if you are here with us live on YouTube, you can, of course, put your questions and comments in the chat. Jacob and I will get to those, and we will address your uh, your comments and questions uh, throughout the show. And uh, then you will be part of you'll be helping us make history, uh, helping us make our our show as we do every week. And um, uh, I did check on the YouTube; we have had a couple of new subscribers to the channel, so a big shout out and thank you to. Uh, where my where my name go? Shayna Begay, Tina Berglund, and Harry Austin. You guys know Harry, of course, uh, from Twitter. So, uh, thank you guys for subscribing to the channel. Uh, by doing so, you do know you do find out when we go live on Tuesday nights. And I uh, appreciate each and every one of you for all the support that you've shown us with it, through everything that we do. And uh, you know, we've we've got a whole lot to get to tonight. And uh, I want to start off with Jacob. One burning question for you. I'm I'm never ready for these, and I'm always ready for these. If that makes any sense, <laughs> it does. It does actually. You you look forward to, it, but you have no idea what's coming. I, I don't give you guys any sort of prep time for this, so it's always good to get a little bit of a, a little bit of reaction uh, with these. So, um, burning question of the week: We are now a quarter of the way through the USL Championship season. What has been your biggest surprise so far? Ooh, for us or in USL in general? USL in general. It can uh, be anything. You know, there hasn't really been anything that really sticks out. I think San Antonio or San Diego's um, slow start would have been the answer, but they've kind of come back and and been strong. They beat Phoenix over the weekend. Um, if you scroll through the divisions, uh, it's, it's pretty much chalk. Uh, and I, I almost forgot this, but, um, I, after pulling up the page and, and looking at, at the, the standings, I, I don't know how the answer can't be RGV sitting atop of the mountain division for, I don't think much longer, um, they have a game. We have a game in hand on them, and El Paso has two games in hand on them. And us and El Paso are both right there. Uh, if we win our next one, then we'll have 17 points through nine games, just like RGV does right now. If El Paso wins either of their next two, they'll be sitting at 18 points through eight or nine games. So, uh, but but that doesn't take away from what RGV has done done so far: five wins, two losses, two draws. Um, and and you just can't. Nobody would have predicted that. Uh, we we dang sure didn't. So yeah, I don't know how it's not RGV. I, I could go San Antonio being bad because I think they are bad, but uh, I'll stick to the positive side and say RGV being uh, 
top of the division and and looks like they're going to be at least a a playoff contender for sure. Yeah, RGV is one of those clubs that, you know, did basically come out of nowhere. And it's not something that we see a lot of. And like you said, we didn't expect RGV to be this good. Um, I'm not even convinced that like the guys that do the the Down in the Valley podcast, like, you know, Edson Ochoa and those guys, I don't think they expected it, um, expect them to be this good. Um, so, yeah, they've been a pleasant surprise. It's nice to see them being competitive. Um, you mentioned San Antonio, San Antonio possibly being bad. I know if you talk to uh, the San Antonio Twitter, uh, they are not particularly fond of the way their season is going thus far. And so and they shouldn't be. <laughs> they, they have 11 points through nine matches and are on a five game winless streak. Granted, there's four one one draws in there, but a one one draw has to be the worst draw. Like if it's zero zero, if it's nil nil, then you're like, oh, OK, we got a clean sheet. If it's two two, you're like, all right, the offense is clicking. But one ones, it's like, well, we didn't get a clean sheet. We only got one point out of this. And we only scored a goal and probably should have had more. So so I, I don't blame San Antonio fans for being upset because they and, – and not only results-based, like if you just watch their game, like when we talk about the United game from last Wednesday and then I watch San Antonio again over the weekend, they just don't look good. Yeah, yeah, they really don't. And I know that they did play again on Saturday, and we'll take a look at that. They, they played um... – I played uh, RGV over the weekend, so we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. And you know, a lot of good point, a lot of good talking points there. For me, it's so I, I'm going to bring Nisa into this NISA, the the in the, the other independent soccer league. You didn't give me that option. Oh, you I I didn't. You, That's I'm true. That's true. You, you said whatever. Okay. Yeah, quarter way Fair. through the season. What's your biggest take? So, um, the pitch issues. Now we've seen Birm. I think it was Birmingham had some pitch issues a couple weeks ago. We had the Oakland Roots, who were basically using a patchwork quilt um, for their pitch, and that that match got canceled over the weekend. We we saw the I don't know if you saw this, but there was a Lee, there was a match coming out of the out of Nisa where they only they basically only played half a match because they didn't the stadium didn't have lights, and so they called the match and awarded the team that was winning three points for wow. half a match. Yeah. You know, and, you know, I know there was a, there was another match over the weekend where they played like 30 or 30, 45 minutes. And then they said they're going to replay the match in its entirety later in the season. Yeah, that was, that was weather, like the weather was happening right then. So it, that one, I, I'll give some, some, some slack to, and not only, not only the, the ones that have actually been affected, but like we've seen like the last New Mexico United game, um, where they saw the infield did not look good and did not play right. Saw some weird bounces and we still played the game and, you know, both sides play going to that goal. So it's fair ish. Um, and then that same last weekend. So not, not the San Antonio match, but the Austin match, I watched RGV play and their field was eaten up. Uh, I think they'd gotten a lot of moisture and it was just, not in good shape so and just so you fans out there know um it is 15 seconds left in the phoenix clippers game and so if i scream or or uh gasp or throw my phone uh that is why all right. Well, as Jacob's watching basketball, you know, again, you mentioned you know some of the other ones. You mentioned the RGV Austin. You mentioned 
you know, the weather in the one match. And of course you can't account for weather, you know, especially if it's being that much of a torrential downpour to where if pitch is unplayable, but you look at what happened out in Oakland and you look at, you know, and we agree, we know that our, our, that Isopes Park is not necessarily the best pitch at times. And we know that the grounds crew does everything that they can, but, you know, we were in the middle of a, of a drought. We've got a heat wave going on, you know, we've, you know, and, and when you're putting down sod for a week at a time, like it's just, it's not going to take. Yeah. It's especially when you're, do well. when you're putting it on top of clay. Yes. So the root, the roots aren't going to do anything other than just die basically. So until we get our own stadium or later in the season, when, when the isotopes games end, maybe we can see a little bit different results, but yeah, until then it's, these home matches are, are going to be hit and miss. So. Yeah, I think part of the issue is that we did have two home matches back to back. And so you, you have the sod down for an extended period of time, because I know that, you know, prior to like the, the single game home stands, they put that sod down on like Wednesday or Thursday. And so it looks a lot better for those. Mm-hmm. But, but when you have the sod down in this case for, for basically a week, and there's only so much watering you can do. Like you mentioned, they put it down on clay, you know, it's not going to take, it's not going to look good. It's not necessarily going to play the best, but I mean, it's just it's the issues. Is it something systemic within the league to where there's these issues or is it just like sporadic things where it's on the club? And like when it comes to the Oakland Roots situation, why did it take them up until 20 minutes prior to the match? to make that decision to cancel it. Yeah. I think you got to kind of take, uh, take them on a case by case basis for the most part, like for us and a few others, you have baseball stadiums that you're trying to share and, and it it just gets a, it's never going to be perfect doing that for, for the Oakland situation though. I don't, they hadn't had a home game all year. They've been, the schedule has been out since, I don't. I don't even remember when. April, probably March. March, March, April, somewhere in there. So you've got months to look at the schedule. And go okay. Our first home match, twelfth of June. Let's be ready. And then they aren't ready. Um. So that, and, and we know that you know, Ben Bowery asked to leave there. They fired their coach in the preseason. Um, you know, they, they're just not, not a steady situation going on over there. So we'll, we'll see, hopefully they can iron things out and, and get things smooth again. But so I think that one is more of an organizational problem. Whereas when you look at ours and Birmingham's and, uh, I think it was Birmingham, Austin, actually, that got rained out basically and stuff like that. It's just it just happens and, and you do whatever you can to, to try to fix it. So, but that, that being the biggest surprise to me, shouldn't be your biggest surprise. Like there's, there's always field issues in the USL. Like it's until everybody has their own stadium and has like legit good ground and, and grass and, and a grounds crew to keep up with it. Then yeah, it, there's going to be issues. Do you think we 
and, and this is probably a, a giant wishful thinking idea here. Do you think maybe somehow Peter and the guys in from the from the front office talk to the ice ups and convince them to go to a full grass infield like we used to see in a couple different parks? And I know like the Astros used to have like a, a turf infield, but do you think we do you think somehow Peter convinces them to go full grass? No. <laughs> no, I, that's not where I thought you were going to go with that question either. Um, so, so my question is: the Isotopes grounds crew has been the best grounds crew in AAA. It, been named that several times uh, in the existence of of the Isotopes. I thought you were going to ask if Peter tries to steal them <laughs> when we get our own stadium and. Uh, I wonder if it's possible for a ground screw to do both. Um, I don't see why not. Because I would be very happy with that. Because for the problems that our pitch has in the infield, everywhere else is immaculate. And I've walked on it setting up the pitch, and I've seen what it's like, and it is it is just beautiful. Other than the spots where we have to put sod down because of playing soccer on a baseball pitch soccer on a baseball field sorry <laughs> again basketball is going on this and that and the other we talk soccer a lot so i call it a pitch and then so yeah well while you're, t- while you're talking basketball there you mentioned we mentioned before we got on air you know how i felt about the hawks and i guess a Stephen a smith you can suck it <laughs> you were wrong. You were wrong, wrong, wrong. And I saw an article on ESPN.com asking who is the who is the MVP of the of of the conference uh, playoffs so far, and not a single one of them had Trey mentioned. You guys are dead wrong. Okay, so <laughs> I don't I even know where to go with that. Um, I don't know what Stephen A said. I don't really care what Stephen A said because Stephen A talks out his ass all the time. Uh, I thought the Hawks were going to win that series the whole time because Philadelphia is Philadelphia, I guess. Uh, they just they they haven't figured it out yet, and they're probably going to figure it out by trading somebody that's owed one hundred and forty-seven million dollars over the next four years. Uh, so that's going to be tough for them to get anything back in my opinion uh they'll they'll get something but teams are not going to be like oh yeah give me this guy that shot three times in the fourth quarter in the series um granted he was three for three hundred percent so uh and this guy that passed up a wide open dunk to give it to a defensive minded player with a defender on him it just doesn't make sense so we got 7.8 seconds and phoenix is down by one in bending the ball so <laughs> it's it he was fouled what are you doing sorry um uh, anyways yeah so i don't know how you don't give it to durant uh even though he lost if you watched those games durant did everything for the Nets and scored almost 100 points in the last two games and played really good defense and just 
just had no help whatsoever. Otherwise, they win that pretty easily. Yeah, I just don't know how Trey doesn't get mentioned in that in, in that with how well he played. Now, game seven, he he was ice cold for mm-hmm. you know for basically three quarters. Um, but I mean, you got Kevin Herter who stepped up and had a heck of a game, and um, yeah, Philly had some interesting decisions, and and uh, I saw. Uh, I, I saw one meme and it said that uh, it, it was a comparison between the Hawks uh, win, comeback win, the 26 when they erased a 26 point deficit to the Falcons collapse. And if you look, apparently uh, there was a, a point in time in which the same time was left on the clock. And it showed the point difference. It was this, this exact same point difference in the two games. And then, you know, obviously the Hawks came back and won. The Falcons lost theirs. But, you know, the I felt the Hawks played played really well. Um, I'm disappointed that most of the games have been on TNT. And I think the entire Eastern Conference Finals are going to be on TNT, which I think is absolutely yes, they are. They, It's always like that. It, it has been one on ESPN, one on TNT for 10 years. I think it's bullshit. I really do. Like... I don't know. That, that's just my that's just my thinking on that. And uh, you're just bitter and a boomer, and you don't have TV, and you're upset about it. I, you know, I don't need the hassle. Of TV. I don't. I don't want the. T- I don't want the bill of TV. You know. Well, see, the great thing is, is that I have a stepdad who has T or Direct TV, and I know the password, so I am able to watch it whenever I want because I can just log in through his account, and it is great. So I, I literally watch ESPN, TNT, uh, what else do I watch? Fox Sports, NBC Sports, all of those I watch through through that same that same way. Yeah. And so I'll you need to find somebody that has DirecTV or Dish or something and use their login. I might borrow my folks' uh, Comcast login. There you go. That's I the way to do, do it. At least for the Olympics anyway, you know. See how that happens. I'm, you know, I'm, I, one thing I've really been missing out on, one thing I've been dis- disappointed that I haven't been able to see is uh, uh is the Euros. And uh, there's been some, there's been a lot of action going on. They're over on there. ESPN Plus, aren't they? Well, ESPN oh, and ESPN, ESPN Plus. Yeah. ESPN, not ESPN Plus. Uh, I found a, a, a someone linked an app somewhere called I think it's called Prende P R E N D E. I think it's like a a Spanish or Spanish language TV station. And it's a free app, and you can watch all the games on there for free. Oh, we got drama here, guys. Drama, drama, <laughs> drama. Point nine. Phoenix was down by one with the ball. Threw a lob to the basket. Now, you can't call goaltending on a pass from out of bounds. So the shot looked like, or the pass looked like it was going to go in, but DeAndre Aiden went up and dunked it. And now the Clippers are freaking out, thinking it's goaltending. Somebody just pushed Devin Booker. Uh, the place went crazy. It's a great play. I'll keep you updated. But <laughs> for now, uh, I, I think it's time to transition to what feels like a lifetime ago. But there was a United match that was played uh, last Wednesday. Yeah, last Wednesday. It's been a, a long, long break in between matches. And uh, while we're getting into that, let me switch this right over here. And there we go. 
get our highlight package rolling here, courtesy of USLChampionship.com. Um, it, yeah, it was. Uh, I actually had to watch this one at home. I wasn't at the stadium Tuesday, uh, Wednesday night. I know none of us were. But um, yeah, New Mexico United came out and they just absolutely dominated a San Antonio team that I thought was going to be pretty competitive in this one. Yeah, we talked about. Uh, I talked about you guys. I, I talked about wanting to see something um, during this match, and you know we weren't really sure. Uh, Earl, I'm glad he's not here because then we don't have to hear him gloat about predicting the score right uh, again. Um, even though I did say that I wish I would have gone first because I would have picked the same score, so. Uh, I, I get at least half credit there. Um, but what we saw wasn't even like the final score wasn't even like uh, it wasn't really indicative of the match. Like we, we could have, if you look at the stats, we should have probably won by at least one more goal. Um, 75% possession. Uh I don't have the stats up in front of me. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in this stupid basketball game. Uh, But I'll pull them up on you. It was was a game that that United just, I don't, San Antonio maybe, I think they scared me once and probably should have scored there. And like, they should have scored first, if I'm not mistaken. They had a chance. Um, And... And couldn't quite find the back of the net. The ball bounced through the the six yard box and and was was sitting right there for somebody to to pick off and throw in. So seventy one percent possession. Sorry, um, you know shots fourteen to twelve uh, for San Antonio, but we had five shots on goal. They only had three. Um, we just the game just was never really in doubt. So it was a surprise, but it, it puts my mind at ease. Uh, you guys were freaking out last week, calling me, uh, a pan- saying that I was hitting the panic button and whatnot. But it, uh, it, it put my mind at ease saying, okay, they can win uh, at home handily and, and be, they found, found that groove again. Although I will say that it was only 6,000 fans there, so maybe it was because there wasn't as many fans that as to why we performed better. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Wednesday night match, 6,000 plus, that's not a bad turnout. You know, I, again, I know the last time we had a, a an interesting turnout on a Wednesday night, you know, it was kind of funky weather. And of course, you know, we've had 100, 100 plus degree heat here in town and so six thousand people coming out for for a wednesday night match and one that we're still at 75 percent capacity um and we got some we got some news on that later on that we'll get to um but yeah united basically controlled the ball um control the pace of play here i think this is the play you're talking about right here in the 24th where the ball goes across the face of goal and then he, he basically just misses a sitter no really should have scored there but um united's defense played was pretty solid the entire night didn't really give up anything, uh, which was impressive to see. Uh, you know, we talked a lot about you know guys about them coming in on short rest and how it would affect them, and it really it really did not look at all like United was playing with playing on short rest. Mm-mm. 
And, and to to San Antonio's credit, they were also playing on short rest. They played last weekend too. I think they played Friday though, so they had a, an extra day off there. But um, one thing I like to look at when you look at the the possession being so far off is if you look at the defensive stats, tackles twenty two to twenty four. So even though we had the ball twice as much as they did three times as much as they did. They still only had two more tackles than us. And the tackle success rate was way higher for us, 63 to 54. So um, our, our defense, it's a, we're kind of burying the, maybe even burying the lead here. It's our third clean sheet in a row. And Earl can, can suck it finally. And, and he kept complaining that we hadn't had a clean sheet and trying to blame, uh, Alex and you just Tim Buckus has been fantastic no matter which way you look at it so three clean sheets in a row and as much as I love Phil I'm right there with him I'm loving Phil uh, you can't go away from Tim Buckus right now and, and you have no reason to so the defense even though two of those clean sheets we had 70 over 70% of the possession uh, it's still a clean sheet and it still still counts as, as zero goals given up and and you got to be excited about that if you're a New Mexico United fan. Yeah, the goals uh, goals against uh, goals allowed against or whatever goals against average whatever I think I don't know the exact acronym, but you know definitely going down once again. And uh, you know all, all all sorts of credit out there to the defense how they played. Alex made a couple big big saves and we just saw one here. Um, and there's a second. There's another one right there. Two a couple big big saves towards towards the end of the match. Um, you know, we had that sequence where, um, yeah, there was one back across the face goal. Alex punched away when we were at the south end. And then when we were at the north end at the end of the second half, um, there were the two shots. One went off the crossbar. I thought I initially thought he had saved that one the first time. And then the follow-up shot, you know, Alex did. Yeah, the follow-up header. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and then he had the, the breakaway, quasi-breakaway where the, the player – Came across goal there. There was a touch between him and Alan, or him and Yearwood. Yearwood fell down, um, and he turns around. Wyden was sitting on the goal line for it, and maybe could have cleared it, but he didn't need to because Alex came up big there too, and, and and stopped a shot there. So it was a it was a, it was a great defensive game, and and I'm happy that that. Uh, Austin Yearwood was actually recognized uh, for Team of the Week, partially because of that defensive match, and then partially because he just had a an absolute banger from outside the 18-yard box that bent in that far post. Uh, just a beautiful goal. What a way to open your account, uh, your professional account, with with that goal there, and and then of course he has the Michael Gordon, Michael Jordan shoulder shrug. Oh, yeah. celebration no, it, it was a, it was a well-deserved celebration for him and uh you know i feel i feel for uh for sam gleedle who had his ankles broken on that play i don't feel for him at all i do not like that guy <laughs> he was trash against rgv in this game on saturday too um and i know i know he's got new mexico ties and whatnot but uh didn't care for his complaining uh thought he was really bad he got beat there he got beat several times by amondo down there in that corner uh, he just he did not have a good night whatsoever. 
yeah, and there's that goal right now. If you uh, if you're watching on on the channel on the YouTube, watching behind us, um, yeah, Austin's fantastic look at goal, fantastic strike, and I mean Cardoni had no chance at all uh, at that at saving that, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he's a fantastic way to open his professional account and a team of the week nod for Austin Yearwood. So congratulations to him. And I checked the uh, the voting stats on the goal of the week voting prior to coming on air, and Austin is in the lead with 47% of the vote currently. Uh, so if you haven't done so, please go vote and vote. be sure to vote often uh, as many times as you possibly can. To, uh, and, and, and again, I know USL uh, social media is going to hate us for winning yet another goal of the week honor, but you know, I think it's well-deserved. You know, it's a fantastic goal from a, from a, from a distance out. So congratulations to Austin on that. I mean, there's uh, been some, I don't know if you've paid attention to the goal of the week votes, even when we're not nominated, one of our players isn't nominated, but there's been some absolute worldies uh, in the USL this year. I think I've seen two goal kicks or corner kicks scored on just directly from the corner kick. Um, I don't think we've seen any any bicycle kicks or scorpion kicks or anything like that. But uh, just go on. Jack Blake alone has three, two of them this week and one of them a few weeks ago. Maybe even four. I don't I don't remember. But all of his goals have came from outside the box and have been great. So the USL is 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 producing some really high high quality goals that the the goal of the year competition is going to be pretty stiff uh, if we're not looking at it through the lens of, of black and yellow. One of the things that we talked about uh, coming out of the Austin match was that United had obviously for the first time in their history had zero shots on target. They clearly turned that around. I have this strange feeling that maybe Troy listened to our show, you know, cause we talked about the club needing to take some shots from outside the box and uh, of our 12 shots, uh, six of them were, of course, from outside the box. Mondo had a pretty good one. Austin's, of course, where he scored. So uh, I think we should take credit for this. Uh, you know, we inspired Troy to, te- to have the guys go out and, you know, shoot from distance a little bit, try to open up those spaces. And against a, a club like San Antonio, who, who has the size that they do, you have to do things like that in order to to open up space. And And that's something that I feel like United really handled well. If you watch what they did throughout the match, there weren't really any high aerial crosses, I should say. There were a lot of of lower crosses, keeping them down, trying to prevent San Antonio from taking advantage of that height. And and so that was something that San Antonio really struggled with throughout the match, and they couldn't impose themselves on it. what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think maybe you know Troy was listening to us last week? Do you think you know they they game plan to to try to take the height advantage out of it, or was it this just you know San Antonio is not as good as we thought we were as as good as we thought they were? Well, so I hadn't watched but a couple of matches for San Antonio before ours, and I didn't think that they were great. Um, but I I do think Troy listened because I think Troy always listens. He knows. Uh, he knows a good show when he hears it, and and of course he's he's listening right now. Troy, how you doing? Um, but it was it was a it made me wonder if we kind of overlooked Austin because they clearly clearly put in um, a tremendous amount of work to to beat San Antonio here. 
I, I think if you look at the two lineups, it's kind of it was clear to me that this was our A lineup, uh, our A plus lineup, and and the Austin match was like our A A minus, um, and then you look at just how we attacked and how we we just stayed on the front foot. Because one thing that we could have done was park the bus. Uh, we talked about parking the bus a lot last week. Um, and we could have done that up one or up two. And we never did. Which, one, is kind of rare for us because Troy has, has been known to, to park the bus when he's up uh, a goal or two, especially at home for some reason. So not doing that helped us tremendously. And and yeah, you you see the one chance there where San Antonio was able to play a ball over the top and and get a guy one on one with the goalie, kind of going sideways instead of right at him. But um, other than that, they the second half was was all us, even though we had the lead. So just a, a fantastic coaching performance, a fantastic approach, um, both in the first half and the second half with the lead. Uh, and then, of course, the guys actually on the pitch did a fantastic job, um, and and played their asses off, and completely deserved deserved at least a two 0 win. Yeah, one of the better performances we've seen this year, and I know that that, that might be a, a tall statement given you know, we've had we did have back to back three one wins earlier in the year, but I feel like this was just the most complete performance we've seen so far. I mean, dominant on the attacking end, uh, another clean sheet. And we, they, we gave up only three shots on target the entire night. And so, and this is not an untalented San Antonio squad. I mean, they're not, they're, they're a very, they're very talented group of guys. The talent is for sure. They're, they're just not playing well though. Yeah. It would have been nice to get Harry's take on this and the, you know, uh, we, we, of course, like we mentioned last week, we will get Harry on the show prior to the next match with San Antonio. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I expected more from, from Cardone, uh, guys like Schoberg, um, and Doyle, you know, they were really basically non-factors. I mean, aside from standing tall and a couple times, you know, I mean, they really didn't do a whole lot, um, which was which was just really surprising to me, and I think it really speaks to the the game plan that Troy instilled ahead of this match. Yeah, and and I completely ignored your your not ignored uh, forgot your your point on on the crosses and and not sending in those those um, you know high looping arches high looping crosses uh, that we that you typically see in soccer for the most part. You know that they're there wasn't a lot of those, and and yeah, you had um, how do you pronounce his name? So Schoberg, Schoberg, yeah, Schoberg, who's who's a massive dude. He also uh, was the Colorado Rapids player that got a red card when we played them in the Open Cup a couple years ago. Um, he he was playing for them at the time, so so you know he's a quality 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 player out there, but um, he was just kind of nullified and. And, um, I mean, we didn't really get a whole lot around the, the six-yard box. 
And maybe that was because he's he's there and he's a long, lengthy, tall player. But um, I, I just think that that the the guys executed a perfect game plan. Uh, so they executed it. Troy came up with it, and um, they just I mean they played really well. If you look at the goal, the first goal um, for Suggs, Schoberg jumps up. Um, because it, I, I believe it's Harry has actually dove all the way inside, um, and and draws draws a big body up to the top of the eighteen yard box, and then I believe it's Moreno slips Suggs in Suggs in beautifully, and uh, you know he might have been offside. I can't tell. Uh, I haven't seen a clear, definitive angle of it that shows he is or isn't, um, but. It looks like Doyle, who who might be climbing the list of most annoying opposing players, very quickly. Um, I do not like Doyle. I don't. I don't even know what his first name is. Uh, he's a big bald dude, um, and and I really just kind of don't like him. And Liam. Liam Doyle. That sounds like a douchey name, so that fits him perfectly. Uh, I didn't like his actions against us. I didn't like his actions over the weekend against RGV. Um, so, yeah. I, I believe he plays Suggs onside, and and Cardoni can't really do anything uh, with that. Suggs from the six-yard spot. I mean, he's just not. And then you talk about Austin's goal. We talked about how he, could, how he couldn't do anything there. So I thought Cardoni played well. He just had two shots against him that he just had no chance of stopping whatsoever. So I, I don't know what's going on in San Antonio. I, like you said, I wish Harry was here to to get his perspective on it because he obviously knows this team a little bit better. They They started off with a 3 nothing win against Colorado Springs, um, which looks fantastic uh, with the way Colorado Springs is playing. They just came off their second straight win tonight. Um, they beat Austin 3-2 down to 10 men for an hour, uh, and they still won 3-2. So um, holding them to, to a 3-0 win looks mighty impressive. But uh, they really sure they sure don't look that way now. You know, we already said five straight winless, including four one-one draws. They just I don't know what they're doing over there, and so it's it's hard to gather whether this was a just a quality win or like a really 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 quality win, uh, if that makes sense. I'm leaning towards a just a quality win. I mean, you know, yeah, San, like we said, San Antonio is a talented squad and they're, they really are underperforming at this point in the season, given the results that they have, you know, and I know that they are missing, um, they have been missing their striker who was out, you know, because of a, because of a red card, but you know, you have to find ways to score. You have to find ways to put the ball in the back of that. And they're not necessarily doing that. You know, a, a string of one, one draws is not going to really get you a whole lot of places. And you have to, you have to be able to do more than that. 
you know. Um, now, one question I did have for you is I know that, uh, you know, we, of course, we do our lineup predictor uh, challenge uh, every week. And mm-hmm. when the mm-hmm. lineup came out this week, uh, I know there was quite there were quite a few reservations about the midfield. Uh, yeah, Juan I, Pablo, Azira, and Tanari all being in there, you know, all three of which are are known for being more defensive minded. Um, now we did find out li- uh, late um, on uh, Friday that, or well, uh, late on a uh, late on Tuesday, I think it was that uh, Sergio Rivas was going to be out with a groin injury. I think it was Wednesday. Um, it might, yeah, might have even been Wednesday. Did you text us after you and Earl had already turned in your? your lineups there. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, with that, I thought maybe we might see a cello in there. Um, but having, cause I, but I've not thought about, you know, after having played, you know, Saturday night, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it was an opportunity to give him a rest, but you know, Juan Pablo, uh, Tenny and a zero was definitely an interesting midfield to say the least. And, you know, I have to say that I was pretty impressed with how well they played. And I know Earl is not the biggest fan in the world of JPG, but you can't fault, you know, the, the, the control that they showed for, on Wednesday night. Yeah. I, I, um, I was impressed with how they played, but at the same time, San Antonio did not try to pressure us whatsoever. Um, and so I, I wonder if I would, if we would, if the result would have been the same, or if we would have felt that they played good, and had a good showing, if it would have been against somebody like El Paso, or somebody like Phoenix, or even San Diego. Um, so I will say that I was I was definitely impressed by them. I was the one in the group chat that first threw out that I uh, wasn't thrilled with it. Um, we saw the Juan Pablo and Michael Azira midfield uh, duo against RGV, and it was some of the worst midfield play uh, that we'd seen for New Mexico United ever. Um, and so I was not thrilled about it, but they seem to have figured some things out. Azira still doesn't seem like he's on quite the same page with everybody. There's a, a play, um, I don't think it's in the highlight package, but Swartz makes a brilliant run uh, down the near side and and then gets to the touchline and, and plays a ball back to the top of the box and has Suggs coming in just ready to pound it. And Azira cuts Suggs off uh, and proceeds to dribble it and then try to cross it and end up... I don't even... I can't remember if we got a corner kick out of it or if it ended up bouncing off of the Vizera on the way out for a goal kick. But um, it was a play that I think if he's on the same page with everybody, he sees Suggs coming in, charge it in, ready to take a shot, and he lets that go. Um, but other than that, I, I don't think he made a mistake throughout the whole night. And, and Juan Pablo, he's not my favorite player either, but um, in talking with people that actually know soccer a little bit more than than myself, um, they kind of highlight some of the things that he does that I might not think are fantastic or think matter, that, but they actually do. So 
I, I've grown to respect him a little bit more and, and thought he played well. Um, I would, I didn't really have a problem with Tinney. I've seen Tinney be a more offensive minded player. Um, we've seen him with a couple of assists this year, I think or at least one. Uh, yeah. The one on Wednesday night for Josh's goal. Okay. And we've seen him with two then. Uh, cause he had one, uh, in that Austin match, he had, he assisted on a Moreno's, um, header in the second half. So, uh, he, he, he's not fully defensive minded. I think we think of him as defensive minded just because we think of him as a little bulldog out there and pissing people off and making annoying tackles and challenges and stuff like that. But, uh, he has shown that he has at least a, a quality passing prowess out there uh in the in that last third so um i wasn't super upset seeing him out there with those two is just those two just kind of made me nervous because i feel like they're the same player in a lot of ways azira and guzman but you can't argue with the results yeah, I get that. And the same argument can be made about, you know, Brian and Dev. You know, they're very, very similar in, mm-hmm. in their play style and what's expected of them in their roles. And so I still look to at... see them together, though. Yeah. We saw it for 20 minutes against Loudon. Um, maybe a little bit longer than that. But for the most part, 20 minutes. And then Yearwood got the red card and, and then everything had to change from then. So. So I still want to see that Dev and Brian up top with Moreno kind of back in the Weehan role um, and see what that looks like. But hopefully, just because of that Loudon match, we hopefully we get to see a chance at that again and that Loudon match doesn't leave a sour taste in Troy's mouth and we don't get to see it again. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you know, what, yeah, maybe we'll see it. Maybe not. Um, I get, you know, the conversations that I've had with some folks is that they're just, they're, they're very similar players. So it's, it's almost like you don't necessarily want both of them in there at the same time. You want to spell them with each other, but I could see where you would want them. You have two big bodies, two guys who can hold, who have good hold up play, uh, guys who can distribute inside the box and make things happen there. Um, I think there's, there's, there are some positives that you could take from it. There's some things that you, that you could be looking forward to. Um, before we move on, I do want to highlight, uh, highlight, or highlight the midfield, some of the stats from Wednesday night. Uh, all three, all three of our midfielders did have 80 plus, uh, passing accuracy in the opponent's half. Um, between the three of them, they had 17 duels. One, uh, Tanari and Guzman both had assists. Uh, uh, Juan Pablo created two chances. Tanari created three. And then in terms of defensive play, Juan, uh, see Juan Pablo and Azira combined for 12 tackles, one block shot and three interceptions. So, um, all around a strong night from the three guys in the midfield and, and a formation that we really weren't sure how it was going to play um, mm-hmm. given the tendencies of those players. And I think what happened with Tinney and something like you mentioned, you know, he's not what well, we, th- we think of him as a bulldog and how good he is defensively. I think Troy intentionally played him as more of a, a almost like a cam type position, almost in that B almost in that B's role. Not quite. No, I don't think I, I, I'm, and I'm not comparing Tinning to bees by any stretch of the imagination, but I think if, by pushing him up a little bit higher, it gave him an opportunity to be a little bit more involved. Yeah. And, and we've seen it. 
I think we've seen him up in that role a couple times this year. Um, particularly when he's playing, particularly when he's playing with Guzman and and either Azira, as we saw, or I believe it was Mark uh, Cello. Uh, we saw him play kind of up more. But um, that's the thing about this roster is that you've got a ton of versatility and a ton of people at each position that are capable of holding their own. Um, to to think that we had Cello and Rivas and Guzman, Tenari, Azira, one of those three, um, playing for us in the midfield a couple of nights ago or a couple of matches ago, and then to turn around and have none of them or only one of them still in there and still perform well, uh, it, it's just a good problem to have. So to be able to rotate all of them, except for I would say Guzman and Azira, I think those two are pretty much defensive-minded central midfielders, and there's really nothing going to do about that. But um, to have Tenari, uh, Cello, Rivas, even Amando can drop back in there. Um, all of them be, be kind of interchangeable and twist them around and work them in different ways. That's that's going to greatly benefit us as the year moves on. And, and when we talked about it, we're only eight matches in. We're only a quarter of the way into the season. We still have a lot to go. Um, and, and I and I can't wait to see see new wrinkles and, and new lineups and, and new Probably not new formations, but uh, just new little tweaks that Troy can come up with as the season goes along, and we can continue to to get three points in these matches and and hopefully shoot up the standings a little bit. And well, well, the, before we move on, we're gonna show this Austin goal one more time, and there it is. God, it's beautiful. What a goal from Austin! So there you go. I want to show that one more time before we move on. Uh, thank you guys I mean, for watching so far. Uh, that is That was, of course, our recap of Wednesday night's match against San Antonio. Um, you know, lots of, a lot of, lot, a lot of positives to take away from that match. A lot of good things to, to look ahead, look forward to going into the next match against Colorado Springs. Um, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe this is, will be our third match against Colorado Springs already. No, I believe it's just our second, second. Okay. Maybe it's just, maybe, maybe it's because we played them so close to the end of the, of the preseason. That I keep thinking that, you know, we've already played them. Yeah, no, it's, it's only the second. The only other time was the, the Widener field opener where we beat them three to one. That's and right. Before we get to that match, um, we mentioned, we mentioned several times we're quarter of the way in. Who's your quarter of the way MVP for United and then also for the league? Hmm. Or at least the Western Conference. You know, it's hard to say because we still haven't seen, you know, a ton of players in the Western Conference. Um, I think in terms of our play, in terms of in terms of the club, I would have to say um, Alex. I mean, Alex has kept us in every match. You know, here we're we're talking, you know, three three consecutive clean sheets, and he's done a fantastic job. Um, this season, you know, can't really fault him for any of the goals that have, that have been conceded. And that's something that we couldn't necessarily say in the past, you know, where it's, mm-hmm. uh, where it's been a, a mistake by the keeper, you know, that allowed it to happen. So I think Alex is, is my quarter of the way MVP for the club. Um, in terms of the Western conference, I mean, there's, there's a number of different names you can throw out, you know, Jack Blake has played well. Uh, Solomon Asante has played well. 
Uh, Santi Moars played well. Um, yeah, Santi Moar, of course, uh, has played well. You know, there are any number of guys on on United that have played well. Haji Berry is playing well. You know, there's a number of different names that you can throw out there. Guys who have had pretty good performances so far to um, this season. So it's really hard to pick out one more than any other. But if if I had to lean somewhere, um, I'd say probably no one's had a bigger impact on on their club than the Santi has in Phoenix. See, I think, uh, I think I have to agree with you for, for, um, the United, the United MVP, uh, just because, you know, we don't have somebody that has a bunch of goals. We don't really have anybody that has a bunch of assists. Um, you know, we just have a lot of, good quality people. Um, so it's hard to pinpoint one person as a field player that uh, has stuck out. So so I think Alex is the right call there because you look at it and he's given up one, two, three, four, five, five goals on the season through eight matches. Um, we talked that none of them really were mistakes or anything like that. It was just you know, the RGV one was a bad bounce uh, deflection that went in, um, just things here and there. So so I think that's a good call with uh, with him being ours. As far as the West is concerned, um, I'm going Haji Berry. Um, he, has, he has come to a side in the switchbacks that has not performed well the last several years. Uh he is first on their team in goals with eight. Second on their team with three assists. First in shots. Second in chances created. Um, he just he is just fantastic for them. And we saw firsthand what he's capable of against us in that first game, scoring what, just a, little, a little over a minute in, I think it was. Um, he just he's he's been incredible for them and when he performs they win he had two goals tonight um one was a penalty and the other one was was just a beautiful beautiful shot from about the penalty spot um and and he just keeps performing for them and that is going to segue nicely into this uh preview for for the match coming up on Friday, uh, another Friday match. We've, we've played them both, both times on Friday nights, uh, in Colorado Springs so far. And, uh, it'll be interesting to see if, if, uh, Austin, I imagine Austin's going to be out there and probably Sam. Um, and then of course, Kaylin riding back there, uh, and with Suggs and Schwartz or Bruce or somebody like that. Um, uh, as another defender, quasi-defender over there. It's going to be interesting to see if we can nullify him. Uh, we did a good job after that first goal in that first match, but but he's just playing so well right now. Already has eight goals, like I said, through six matches. Eight matches. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Seven matches, sorry. So so three goals through, or eight goals through seven matches. Three assists to go on top of that. Um, 
he's just tough, man. And and you can look at at Santi, like you said, Santi has six goals and three assists. So because of tonight's performance, Haji has has uh, passed him in in production. And and also you look at it, you know, Santi has Salmasante, Dadashov, Lambert, Quinn. He's got all this talent around him that I think he's just kind of benefiting from more so than Haji, who's creating literally everything. Um, the only other player that Carlos Springs has in the attacking side that that has done a whole lot is uh, I don't I, these names, man. I don't know how to pronounce these names. Gina Gila, um, who who has played well as well, but him him and Barry are really the only ones that are doing anything offensively for him and. And uh, it's it's a it's a tough duo led by Haji Berry, who also scored against us in the preseason. So we we gotta really he's he's the one guy to watch coming up on on Friday for me. And if we can keep him from getting a sister and a goal, then I think we have a really good chance of getting another clean sheet and another W. You mentioned it. I mean, Haji Berry is going to be the player to watch, and I, and I think the other. Uh, I think the other guys, Galina. Um, I think that's how you. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I, if I remember correctly from the from the last broadcast, um, yeah, no, he, Haji Berry. We talked about him prior to the first match. Ton of pace, uh, ton of ability, and he, he's he's got the capability. He's got the ability to score from really anywhere, you know, in and around the eighteen yard box, and so he's someone that you that you have to keep track of the entire match. That's not something we did particularly well early on the last time up. We last time up in up at Widener Field, and so we have to be better about that. We have to contain him. We can't let him get on the, get on a break. Otherwise, he's gonna be he's gonna be killer, just like we saw. And we've seen it. You know, we saw it in the preseason. We saw it. You know, the first match in Widener Field. We've seen it, if you watch their other matches, he is he's dangerous. He has the ability to get behind on pretty much any given play and just cause havoc in, in the backfield. And you don't want to see that. Yeah, he's he's going to be um, probably, if we look at our schedule here and who we've played so far, he is by far the toughest singular offensive weapon that we have faced. Uh, and he has scored against us once already. So it's going to be a tall, tall test for us to be able to contain him and, and and keep that clean sheet streak alive. But um, I think we can do it. I think we've got the talent. I think Alex has been huge for us the last three matches, and if he comes in uh, prepared off, what is it going to be, 11 days rest or something like that, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be... It's going to be tough, but I think with all that going for us, having them play tonight, um, and, and they're they're going to be on a short week uh, with with um, only four days to rest, and even if it is in Colorado Springs, uh, last time I checked, um, we kind of own Colorado, uh, so that part doesn't really worry me. In fact, I think they have some black and gold paint uh, that they're going to have to bring out eventually for Weiner field and just just paint over all the blue and and paint it yellow because it is our second home 
Yeah, if I remember the stats correctly, we are six one and one all time against Colorado Springs. So, and then if you throw in the Rapids as well, where I think we're seven one and one. So, Colorado is basically just northern New Mexico at this mm-hmm. point in terms of a uh, sports territory. So, yeah, not too concerned about the the confines or the players being you know in a place that they're not familiar with. Obviously, we've we've played there. We've played very well up at Widener Field over the past few years, and so. It's going to be fun to see. It's going to be a fun match. Again, you know, like you mentioned, 11 days rest. The guys are going to be fit, ready to go. Hopefully Sergio is back and ready to go as well. It'll be good to see him back in there, give us another attacking option. And I'm a, I'm a little bummed, though, that both Colorado Springs matches are already going to be over because I just looked it up uh, yesterday, I think it was, day before, and I'm only five hours from Colorado Springs here. And I, I thought I was much farther because we moved, and and I thought that that would make that trip even longer. But you can go north to Santa Rosa, and then cut north again and end up in Vegas real quick uh, from Santa Rosa. So in fact, there's a lot of people that live in Santa Rosa that work in Las Vegas, um, which is kind of strange. So it, it's it's not that far of a drive, and. Uh, I'm a little bummed that I didn't realize that sooner. Otherwise, maybe I would be trying to go to one of these games. <laughs> Although it doesn't help that they're both on Friday. If they were on Saturday, you know, you could I could yeah. get up early Saturday morning, drive up there, um, you know, take the family with me. We could hang out. But being on Friday, I, I'd have to take off work and this and that and the other, and I don't like to do that. So um, hopefully next year the schedule makers are kind to us and give us a couple, at least one Colorado Saturday match uh, that I can make the trip up to. So, and then oh, there was another point. Oh yes, Sergio being injured, but then not on the injury report on the broadcast. Those are the things that the USL just drives me nuts about. It's like, what are you guys doing? Just be transparent. Just let us know what's going on. And and I kudos to. United for some us the fact that they, he was going to be out early. That's that's great, but that's because we're media and we get an email with match notes. Uh, if you're just Joe Schmo that's watching the match, you don't know that Sergio's not in there because he's hurt. Yeah. So I uh, could be wrong. I think that might actually be Windfire Productions. Um, that's it could be, I guess. Of the match day graphics, or, or basically whichever production company does the broadcast. Yeah. Not necessarily the USL itself. That's true. I know That's that, true. I know we've seen a number of of, uh, of errors uh, across uh, various different teams. So I'm not entirely convinced it's just the USL. I think it's the local production company. So that might have been Windfire, and maybe they didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but yeah, like you said, you know, David uh, Carl from the club did send us an, an updated uh, match uh, or game notes ahead of the, ahead of time to let us know that Sergio was going to be out. Um, so big thanks to David. He, he does pretty good keeping us all in the loop as to what's going on in the club. And and uh, so, yeah, looking forward to the Friday night uh, under the lights up at Widener Field. Jacob, what is your uh, score prediction for Friday night? Ah, oh, man, you know, I just – maybe if I wouldn't watch tonight's match, um, I'd be more inclined to pick a shutout again. But watching Colorado score twice with 10 men – against a team that parked the bus so hard against us in Austin Bold, uh, in Austin. Um, and it makes me think that their offense is just going to be a little too much. But but I'm going to 
I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the clean sheet. Still, I think our defense is just playing absolutely outstanding right now, uh, and we'll do what it takes to to keep Haji Berry under control and and therefore keep Colorado Springs under control. Uh, and I'll say I'll, I'll go with the same score line that we won Wednesday night by and say two 0 Okay. Okay. Not bad. Um, I'm looking at one thing real quick here before I give my prediction. Um, you know, as I mentioned, you know, Haji Berry, of course, is going to be uh, a, a threat no matter what happens. Um, you talk about them putting up three against Austin Bold, you know, have, who came into our, our home and, you know, part 30 buses in front of the goal. Uh, Austin did not play as defensive a, for, a formation. No, no, they did not. As mm-hmm. against Colorado Springs as they did us, where, you know, you know, they put five at the back, you know, I mean, come on, grow up, grow a set, grow a sack. And I think that was strictly because they were playing at home yeah. um, instead of away at, at us or at Colorado Springs. But, but no, they, they, it, it wasn't the same situation that that Colorado Springs scored against Austin three times like it's it's not so much that they scored against Austin three times it's just they scored against somebody three times yeah with 10 men for the last two goals um and so and, and if you watch the match like Colorado Springs was the better club even down 10 men it reminded me a lot of us against Loudon like they just they controlled the match, even though they were down a man, and and I just think that that it's going to be tough for 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 the defense to to fully stop that attacking duo up there. But but I still think they get it done. It's kind of like when when we were on a roll. What do we have? Five five one goal games uh, where we well five goals where we allowed one goal. Five games where we allowed one goal. Let me try that again. Um, in a row, and I said I wasn't going to predict a shutout until we finally got one. Now we're three games into the shutout streak, so I, I think I'm just going to predict a shutout until we give up a goal. There you go. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go two one again. I'm going to two one. I, I think we go up. I think we get another win. Um, I don't think we keep. I don't think we make it four straight clean sheets. As much as I would love for that to happen, I just don't think we do. Um, Haji Berry is just too dangerous. Um, chances are. If Colorado scores, it's going to be him. So that's where that's where I'm at, two one, and then uh, <clears throat> hopefully Earl will get us his uh, his score prediction later in the week, and uh, we can let you share with you guys what that is. Um, and once this goes out, and I must say that I'm a diehard New Mexico United fan, but if there was a team that I had to root for in the Mountain Division or hell in the in the USL in general. Um, other than United, it would be this Colorado Springs team. Um, I've always thought that they were kind of capable of more than they were doing uh, the last couple of years. Uh, and this year, you know, they're they're two, two, and two. They're there's which doesn't make sense. Hold on, because I looked at it and I thought they had played seven games, but they're they're kind of middle of the pack now. They're not uh, one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven. Yeah, they've played seven games. So that's, they're actually three, two, and two, um, I believe, is their actual record. But, you know, Haji Berry makes them into something else entirely. They're, they're fun to watch. They've moved into fourth place in the division, uh, coming off back-to-back wins. Uh, right before that was back-to-back draws. So they have not lost in four matches. 
Um, in fact, they have not lost since we beat them uh, back in May. So they they seem to be finding good form. They're fun to watch. From everything that I have experienced and heard uh, about their fans and and their organization up there, they're just class acts. It's not like uh, Phoenix fans or El Paso fans. Um, and so, so I just I, I I really like their what they got going on over there. They got the new field going. So, so if there's a team other than United that I uh, will find myself rooting for throughout the year, uh, years probably because I will continue to follow them, uh, it is Colorado Springs. But that is not keeping me from predicting a two nothing win. <laughs> yeah, so real quick around the Mountain Division after the after the, the most recent matches for all the clubs, RGV does still sit in first place. They are sitting on 17 points through uh, nine matches. Through nine matches, yeah. El Paso has two matches in hand. Uh, they are undefeated in their and at least their last five. They're undefeated if, on the season. Yeah, that is correct. They are undefeated on the season. Uh, Fifteen points from seven matches. Uh, they are hot on the heels of RGV. There. Uh, let's see who do they have next. El Paso. El Paso has. They have RGV on June thirtieth. And then we play them July 3rd. That should be a couple of fun matches to watch right there. RGV El Paso is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And of course, you know, we do take on El Paso that one. It will be in El Paso. So um, looking forward to that. And then of course, New Mexico United sits third on 14 points. Uh, seven points from our last three matches. Not too shabby right there. Uh, we do Colorado- have, we do have three road matches coming up in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Colorado Springs Friday, uh, Monarchs Wednesday. Yeah, Monarchs Saturday. next Wednesday, and then El Paso the following Saturday. So that is going to be a tough slate for us, but they are all games against teams that we're used to playing in their stadium. Um, seeing as we played all three of those teams in their home stadium three, four times last year. Um, mm-hmm. so So we're pretty used to that, and and the travel's not terrible. Um, so so I, I still expect at least six points out of those games. But uh, that that's our upcoming stretch of games, so it, it will be interesting to see what we can manage manage on those. And, and after those three games, it'll the, the table could look a lot different. Yeah, it absolutely could. Um, you know, moving on, Colorado Springs sitting in fourth place currently, uh, ahead of Austin Bold on by goal differential, uh, eight points from their past four matches. They are definitely looking better as the season goes on. Austin Bold have slid down to fifth, uh, sitting ahead of Austin, sitting ahead of San Antonio based on number of wins, um, which is the tiebreaker. Uh, so Austin bold, they are, they've picked up, uh, let's see, seven points from the past five matches, San Antonio, four points out of their last five, uh, with four draws and a loss and sitting on 11 points there. And then real monarchs SLC, of course, three points in the last five matches, bringing up the bottom of the, of the division, their lone win of the season coming at Sacramento Republic of all clubs. Um, so Still pretty close and who's where in the standings. Uh, I mean, no one's really out of it at this point. Uh, if Salt Lake does not 
turn things around, they could find themselves out of contention probably before the halfway point. But um, a lot of competitive matches being played, a lot of uh, a lot of teams still in the hunt, and we still have a long way to go in this season. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and there's six of the seven teams have double-digit points right now, which you cannot say about any other division. Um, the most any other division has is five uh, with double digits and points. So um, it, it's a fairly competitive division. It's going to be, I think it's going to be tight for the last playoff spot anyways. Um, I think I think us in El Paso are pretty much proven, proving at this point that we are going to be um, a little bit above the likes of Colorado Springs, Austin, and San Antonio. Um, and hopefully that, that stays the same. And, and I just expect us to keep getting better. So, so I, I think we'll be, we'll be okay there sitting at the top and, and performing well. So it's going to be tight. It's going to be real tight. We're going to see what's going on. Uh, I didn't, I expected one other team to kind of falter other than real monarchs. Um, well, let me rephrase that. I expected Real Monarchs to not be good. I expected one other team to also not be good. So it'll be interesting to see if that Colorado Springs, Austin, San Antonio trifecta there, um, if all three of them continue to stay up and fight for that spot or if one of them falls back as the season goes on. Yep. Yeah, a lot of storylines, a lot of things to watch for. And uh, we, will, of course, will keep you guys updated each and every week as the season continues. Um, so th- there so, was, Oh, go ahead. All right. My question for you to, to kind of tee you up for, I believe where you were going is okay. are the Real Monarchs in USL championship next year? <laughs> next year, probably 2023. However, is it 23? I thought it started in 22. Uh, yeah. Some of them will be in 2022 and some of them will be by 2023, all MLS Clubs with USL teams are expected to participate. Okay. So um, I don't believe plans have been released in terms of which clubs will be moving in the first season. And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, the MLS announced the other day that they are going to be forming a brand new third division developmental league beginning in 2022 that will compete alongside the MLS regular season. Uh, the Teams will play a 20 to 26 match match schedule plus playoffs from March to December. Uh, The new league will begin with 20 MLS minor league affiliates, but intends to expand this new league with independent teams, most likely drawn from MLS next clubs. And the original teams are all current MLS affiliates from USL league one and USL championship. Uh, By 2023, all MLS clubs with USL teams are expected to participate in the new league. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is a, a massive, massive news, a massive change to the U S soccer pyramid, um, in terms of how it could affect basically the entire landscape of the USSF period pyramid, basically. Um, now I have read some, um, some, some articles that have stated that this MLS developmental league will also be open to independents uh, who wish to join. So I know there's been some talk about the Rochester Rhinos. Ro- Rochester Rhinos, by the way, have a new investor. Jamie Vardy. 
Yeah, Jamie Vardy has bought the Rochester Rhino, Rhinos, or at least a portion of, of that. And so there's a chance that the Rochester Rhinos will be coming back at some point in, in the not-too-distant future. Um, so, I mean, this is this is a massive change to the, to the soccer landscape here in the United States. And I, it's, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, what is the USL champ? What does the USL championship look like after this? And and do you think, or I, let me let me let me ask you this first: Is this a plan concocted by the MLS in order to fight off the popularity that's been gained by the USL? I don't think so. Um... With it being a tier three, um, level three, whatever you whatever you call it, uh, that's that's the same as USL League One. So there are semi-professional athletes that can still keep their college uh, eligibility if they they can still play for the team and, and not get paid enough to to still meet that. Um, so it's going to be like North Texas and. Uh, Ford Madison and stuff like that. Those are the teams that that um, independent clubs from that level, I think, are going to be hurt a lot more. And, and maybe that hurts USL's bottom line. Um, but I, I think what the club has here, like if you look at the top four teams in the Atlantic, Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Hartford, Charlotte, all independent clubs top four in the central Louisville, Birmingham, Indy, Tulsa, all independent clubs, mountain, Rio Grande Valley, El Paso, New Mexico, Colorado Springs, all independent clubs. And you do have one standout in the Pacific. You have Los Dos up there uh, in third place, but other than that, they're all independent clubs. You also have Phoenix, who is an independent club that is one of the best in the league. You have us, you've got El Paso, you've got Tampa Bay, you've got Louisville, um, Pittsburgh. Uh, you have a you have a lot of stability at the top of this league. Um, and if you take out the likes of Tacoma Defiance, Los Dos, um, Atlanta, United 2, uh, Sporting Kansas City 2, Loudon, sorry Adam, um, you know that that's just gonna make the competition better, um, and and I don't I, I think there's enough players here, both locally and that we can bring here from overseas and and other countries, that the talent pool is still big enough to supply us and supply these MLS teams because. Because from my understanding, this MLS, this this new MLS league, is going to be more younger players, more academy players, you know, U twenty three type players. So you're still going to have the likes of Devin Sandoval, of Santi Moore, of Salamis Sante. That 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 league's not going to be for them. Um, so you're still going to have top end talent, you know, Kalen Ryden. Uh, that that's not going to play for one of those in the last two teams in a new league. Um, you know, they're, 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 they want higher competition than that. And if they are not in the MLS itself, then 
then they're still going to come here. And, and I think the MLS is still going to come here for talent um, like they did with Mizell, like they did with Ketterer uh, when Portland was in an emergency. You know, we've seen Sam Gleadle, uh, who we just ripped apart for being terrible, or at least I did. Uh, he made it to the MLS from USL. Um, so, so I still think that's going to happen. So I don't, I'm not worried about it. I don't think it's an attack on the USL. I don't think MLS did that on purpose. Um, I, I think it's just a way to get the MLS pyramid, uh, and not the US pyramid, but the MLS pyramid kind of in more line with with what MLS wants so that it's not a completely different entity that's controlling their young kids. Um, and so I, I, it is huge news but I, I think if anything at the moment, uh, unless we find out other details, I think it's just going to help the USL championship in a competitive standpoint. And a, a, I don't think it'll help the, the popularity necessarily, but it'll help with the quality of play, which theoretically should bring up the popularity. Let me ask you this. So, with the plans that are laid out, some of these clubs might be leaving uh, for the 2022 season, and then the rest will be expect, are expected to join by the 2023 season. Do you think the USL should just take the step and say, all right, all you two teams, you're out? No, because as much as we hate to admit, the MLS and the U.S. Soccer Federation are almost one and the same. Um, so I don't think you want to piss them off or do anything to ruffle feathers to somebody that has the possibility of crushing you in certain ways. Um, and from everything that we've read, or that I've read anyways, the last two days since this news broke, is that you know the MLS and the USL have, have worked really well together and gotten along really well together. And, and I think that they want to keep that for future endeavors. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe maybe there's a merge that happens or, or something like that in the future if, if these sides still get along um, when all this is said and done. So so we'll see. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. But at the moment, I'm not looking to ruffle feathers. I don't think that's what MLS was doing. I, I think it's just... It has potential to be wins for everybody involved if it's done properly. You seem you seem like you want it to be an attack. You seem upset. No, I, no I'm you not seem, saying I want. No, I'm not saying like, want it to be an attack. I think you're upset at Big Brother over there for for doing this. I mean, I I understand why MLS wants to do it. You know, while but I disagree with thinking that. The U.S. There are two teams being in the USL is bad for the MLS squads, um, but I get it. I get they want to control. They want to control the competitions. They want to, you know, further develop their own players as a, a, a next as an as a next step from the academy. You know, their pathway. I don't. Know, the, the, I don't know the, if the, anybody has said that it's been bad. I, I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's the USL for the USL situation isn't working. So we have to do this. I think it's the USL is working fine, 
we just want it to be better for our our top tier clubs, our, our League One clubs, our our MLS clubs, and we want it to be better for them and a little easier for them, and and for them to be able to look at their two teams against other actual two teams, um, and have their players actually develop against what is supposed to be future MLS talent um, around the same age instead of. You know, you, you can't have a Las Vegas Lights who has the partnership deal with LAFC right now coming out and just getting their asses handed to them night after night by these grown-ass men playing in Phoenix or um, San Diego or Orange County or wherever it may be. Uh, you know, you want to see them up against the likes of other 22, 23, 24-year-olds um, and see them develop there. And keep them to where it's close enough that they can, you know, shuttle them back and forth. And like AAA baseball to an extent, you know, it's easier if, if your two team is is playing a similar schedule and and you have control of that schedule and you can say, okay, well, the two team's going to play Wednesday night. And that way if the parent club wants a player up for Saturday, it can be done. And there's not this... Maybe I don't know how it's going to work, but maybe there's not this, you know, 48 hour, you have to know who's coming down. Um, you know, maybe they can just be like, hey, uh, Bryce Duke for LAFC, you know, we've liked what you've been doing the last few days, but it's Friday, you know, Las Vegas plays tomorrow. Um, we want to see what you look like out there. Uh, in a game type situation, so we're just going to send you over there, just because. Whereas now it's like they kind of have to know in advance a little bit more and whatnot. So that was a a long rant that I didn't mean to go on, but basically saying that I don't think the problem is the USL situation isn't working, or anybody saying that it's bad for MLS two teams. I think it's just they want better. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna propose a, a scenario to you. This is something I saw on Twitter, and uh, I don't know if you you may or may not have seen this already, but I'm gonna propose propose it to you. So, with these MLS two teams all going to be departing over the, over the next two years, USL has a couple different options. One is to basically go out and and poach clubs from other leagues, such as NISA or NASL, and bring them in. Another option is maybe this is the own maybe this is the the kick that USL needs to finally put in to finally put in place promotion relegation. Now, part of that would mean they'd have to do away with the franchise fees and all that kind of stuff, and they'd have to figure out you know balloon payments and all that kind of stuff to help facilitate their promotion relegation. What would you say if if that was the route that USL took? You saw a reconfigured USL championship that featured basically the top 16 teams from the current batch of squads. So if you're looking at the standings as they are right now, Phoenix, Orange County, San Diego, Sacramento, all independent clubs. Real RGV, yes, they have a developmental deal with Houston, but they're not actually like a USL team. I don't think they do anymore either. Anyways. 
they still have a deal. They still have an agreement with them, but it's not like as overarching as it was gotcha. in the past. They're not actually like the US. They're not actually the MLS two teams. Same with Colorado Springs. Um, similar, but I think Colorado Springs has more direct ties. Mm. So then you have RGV, El Paso, New Mexico, Austin, maybe San Antonio. Okay, so we're looking at you know nine teams right there. Loose City, Birmingham, Indy 11, FC Tulsa. And then Tampa, Pittsburgh, Hartford, Charlotte, maybe Charleston. So 18 teams right there. What would you say taking those 18 teams and then putting those like that USL championship? And then you have teams like Miami FC, Memphis 901, OKC Energy, Austin Bold and or San Antonio, uh, Sacramento, Oakland Roots going down to USL League One. Maybe Las Vegas Lights too because that – that's a deal right now, but I, don't, I wouldn't qualify them as a two-team necessarily. They just have a, a very large deal with LAFC to play their players. But, um, yeah, and I think there's still some, some League One teams um, or USL League One that are independent as well that aren't affiliated with anybody. So you throw those teams with uh, League One teams and, and make that um, – I'm not – I mean – I'm not opposed to it. Why can't you do both though? Why can't you pull some NISA teams and and um, and still do pro reg uh, between USL Championship and USL League One? Just have a little bit, you know, get a Rochester Rhinos or a uh, Detroit City FC or or something like that. Bring some of those teams over as well. Um, and then also do a promotion relegation um, from there. I, I think that I think that both of the I, I don't feel like one it's one of those things or the other. I feel like they're both doable uh, in some way, shape, or form. But, but yeah, I would love to see pro reg uh, in the USL. Um, it, it, it would you take the MLS two teams out? You 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 eliminate any independent club like Las Vegas Lights having any kind of deal with a, uh, an MLS team to where they can't get players loaned to them, you know, and and you say, okay, here's here's what's going to happen. You win, awesome. You lose, you go down. Sucks to suck. Uh, as, as Henry in the chat, uh, he Henry is a buddy of mine that I used to work with when I lived in Albuquerque. Um, and one of his favorite sayings was sucks to suck. So, uh, that's a little, little bone to him, but, um, you know, I, I think that would be fantastic. And I think that if you have, it's something that you can't do right now with the MLS two teams in there, but you know, maybe if you take those MLS two teams out, now you're looking at something that could happen. Hell, if you take those MLS two teams out, now you're looking at something that, that could technically happen with the MLS. I, I mean, it never will because of money. But uh, it's it's a theoretical thing that could happen, um, especially if ProRail does really well um, and works like it should uh, in the USL by itself. Maybe MLS looks at it, and maybe that's part of the merge uh, as we finally get ProRail uh, here in America. You know, a boy can dream at least. Um, seriously, doubt it's going to happen, but you never know. So. 
Um, it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens after after that league opens up and and kind of where it goes from there, where where it grows, where USL can grow. Um, I, th- I think there's room for soccer in America to to really boom into something bigger. Um, and so I'm not super worried about anything happen to anything happening to our beloved United. Um, Anytime soon, I've seen some Facebook posts when when this first news first broke that, um, oh, does it mean USL is going to go under? Blah 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 blah. Um, what's going to happen to United? Kind of worried about it. I, I'm not. I'm not worried about it at all yet. Um, now, if it comes out that you know Phoenix and Tampa and Louisville are all of a sudden going to go to this new MLS league, then then maybe that's an eye opener, but. I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to drop down to tier three. Um, you know, it, it, USL championships going to be fine. So it it broke. I was interested in it. I read into it. I looked at it, and uh, and then I I knew that it was going to come up tonight because it had to. But uh, after tonight, I probably won't think about it again until it launches, and then I'll probably watch some of the games and be like, yeah. This is uh, terrible soccer because it's kids playing kids. Um, and for the most part, aside from a few very, very talented players, you're not going to get the quality of play that you get from the USL Championship. Yeah, I agree. And I just pulled up the USL League One uh, standings. And even from there, you, you lose uh, Revolution 2 and Toronto FC 2, uh, both of whom we know drop down. Um, and so, yeah, you talk about pulling. We mentioned pulling from other leagues, and you most likely have to 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 fill back out USL League One. I think North Texas is also um, a two team, even if they're not kind of like Tacoma Defiance has their own name. Um, I believe they are Dallas's uh, two teams. So, so that'd be another one that you'd you would lose there. But I I still think there's enough teams with what would be left over. To, to possibly do pretty well, but I think you'd have to bring in some others. Yeah, you are, you, you are correct about uh, North Texas soccer being owned uh, and operating as the reserve team for FC Dallas. Um, but I mean, looking at the the League One clubs that are there, Union Omaha, Chattanooga, Greenville Triumph, South Georgia Tormenta, SC Fort Lauderdale, Richmond Kickers, Ford Madison, uh, SC Tucson, and North Carolina. I mean, could you imagine, you know, the four imagine Ford Madison getting promoted and then coming out to New Mexico to play yeah. New Mexico United. Before, that would be a lot of fun, you know. It would be. I, you read those names though, and and um, you know the markets over there, like South Georgia. Uh, what is it? Statesboro, Georgia. Thank you very much. South Georgia Tormenta FC. Uh, like, That's where I went to college. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Statesboro, Georgia. Right. Home of the world's largest sand gnats. World's largest what? Sand gnats. Sand gnats. Gnats? Gnats. G-N-A-T-S. Gnats. Yeah. Okay. That is a weird thing to be bragging about, buddy. <laughs> but uh... Also home to the, uh, I believe, six-time FBS... Division one, double A, whatever you want to call it, national national champions in football. So, 
<laughs> um, okay, that, that's at least better than land sand mats, whatever the hell that is. Um, but bottom line is those those markets and the, I've I've seen some of those fields, you know, or some of those stadiums. There have to be done something done there to get it to where they can hold enough fans to be in the USL Championship because, you know, some of them just have lawn chairs, it seems like, and some grass like our preseason matches did. But um, it, it's doable. It's doable, and I think it should be done, and I would love for it to be done. So hopefully we see something like that in the future. So I'm going to I'm going to show you something right here. This is This is a rendering of the new stadium that uh South Georgia Tormenta FC are building. Is this the one that's going in like This will be open next fall. Is this the one that's going in like wildland places that people throw a fit about? No. <laughs> oh, okay. But no, this is a render yeah, this is a rendering of the new stadium that they're building for Tormenta. Nice. Yeah. So, yeah, so I mean, if they know. all have something like that, then yeah, that's fine. I know that not all of them do, though. So, so we'll see. But bottom line, I want pro reg, and it is something that's doable. So, hopefully, that happens. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's something that needs to be done. Um, I think it's. Uh, I think it's long overdue. Um, you know, and unfortunately, you know, the the MLS and USSF haven't exactly, you know, um, helped, helped with that, which is unfortunate. You know, I think it's something that needs to be done. Yeah, it's all about the money with them, though, and so that's, that's what's going to be tough. So I just, I wish it would happen, but our our way of doing things in America are just different. So we'll have to see, but. Uh, it it's it has potential to be really big news, but until something actually until it actually starts and we kind of see what's going on there, then then we'll just keep doing what we're doing. We'll keep trying to win championships in the USL, and and, and I think we'll I think we'll be just fine even in the long run uh, here at New Mexico United. To our boys, uh, Adam Davis, uh, I don't know what's going to happen to you guys uh, over at Latin. Um, to who else do you know? I don't think we really know anybody that's 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 um, a two-team supporter other than Adam, at least not personally. Um, so hopefully that's good news for him too. Maybe maybe it'll make Loudon a little bit better, a little bit more popular, at least amongst DC fans. But who knows? Yeah, you never know. Um... Yeah, I just I, I think the the big negative from all this is that you're gonna have you're you're gonna have the you know, supporters of these two teams no longer have a have a club to to support, you know. And I don't think that these teams are gonna have a whole lot of a lot of a fall a lot of, have as much of a following once they do become just a de- developmental league. And I think that's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, you're going to have diehards, people like us, you know, maybe, you know, guys like Harry and some others that we know that would still watch it if it was available to be seen. But 
I just I think it's I think that's the biggest net negative from all this is the the visibility and uh, the transparency that's going to be out there as far in, in in regards to it. Well, it, the matches are it's not official, obviously, but but it did say something about streaming um, was the way that they were going to go. So I imagine ESPN Plus. Um, Something like that is an option that they're looking at, and we we could expect to see. And and to me, the fans of what few fans Tacoma Defiance has, and Loud United has, and and uh, Atlanta too, and stuff like that. You know, maybe they can just maybe there's a team in the USL that they had watched while Atlanta was in the USL, and and think, oh, I really like them, and and now that they can just become fans of of Louisville or Tampa Bay, Pittsburgh, Hartford, whatever, whoever you want it to be. And um, maybe, maybe the league will, will still keep those fans and uh, just not have to deal with the two teams in there. So I don't know. Hey, we'll see. I, I think if you're, if you're a fan of your MLS two team, then you're probably a pretty big soccer fan. And, probably could see watching some Saturday USL games as well. Yeah, could be, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it's just, again, it's going to be a big wait and see thing. And it's something that, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how the leagues are going to handle it. We don't know the future of this. And so, um, yeah, just a whole big wait and see. And hopefully we hear something before too long in terms of, who's going to be in it, who's not going to be in it, you know, where will the matches be available? And, um, yeah, just, yeah, just can't wait to see what happens with it. Agreed. Agreed. So I think I'm done. All right. Um, unless you had another topic that you wanted to throw out there. Um, I think we'll, we'll close this bad boy down. Yeah, no, I think we are good. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, Earl, uh, we missed you tonight, buddy. Uh, you know, we Seth mentioned at the beginning though, it's nice that you know we can have somebody sit out. I sat out a two weeks ago, I think it was, because of the eye infection that I had, or infection around my eye is how I should be phrasing it. And um, it's nice to to have some people that can still hop on and and put out some content for you guys and. And uh, we love doing it. So hopefully next week I'll we'll be back and and I'll enjoy this little night off that he can have. And and uh, you know next week, next Tuesday, nine thirty ish, we'll be talking about hopefully another three points for United as they travel Friday night to Colorado Springs, um, aka Northern New Mexico, and um, and. And I think I think they should come away with three points as long as nothing stupid happens. Um, and and you know we'll have we'll have some MLS talk probably again still. Uh, their season's kind of ramping back up after the the international break. Um, you know we got Euros twenty twenty going on right now. We got basketball playoffs. You know it, it's it's a good time to be a sports fan and. And we might we might not go in depth on a lot of things, but we'll definitely talk about it. We'll keep you updated on it, and and um, yeah, we just enjoy doing it, and we we can't wait to 
to bring you episode 45 uh, next week, uh, which is crazy. It's going to be 45. I, I think for episode 50, we just uh, we'll recap uh, the B talk and, um, and and everything that goes on with that. Uh, I've had a new a new thing that I've been going through is uh, barbecuing. I bought a pellet smoker about a month ago. Um, I know some of you might be coming at me saying pellet smoking isn't barbecue, but you can fuck off because it is. Um, and and uh, yeah, so I've I've watched YouTube video after YouTube video on everything that has to do with anything there, and uh, and I'm really enjoying it. So I, I'm. All I need is a yard uh, with some grass, and uh, I'll be full-fledged dad mode. Um, grilling, sports, lawn talk, um, you know, we'll be right there. So next week, who knows what we're going to bring. Maybe we'll have a, a little segment on that. Who knows? Uh, bottom line is, oh, we missed you, and we'll be back next Tuesday at 930 Uh to talk about United and whatever else comes up and whatever else we decided to do. Um, and until next time, catch us on social media. Uh, so much more across our platforms or find us individually uh, to send us encouraging words. Uh, no hate mail here. So until um, next week, guys. So much more. You've been listening to Somos Mas, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.